are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at BethanyNaz.org. So, big ask this morning, right off the bat, okay? Uh, and that is that if, um, if you've got a phone in your hand, even if you're looking up Scripture, put it down for a minute. And if the person beside you is talking to you, ask them to stop, all right? And uh, 100% of the people in the room, I'm going to ask you to answer two questions, all right? I'm going to put them on the screen in a minute. And so this is like 100% participation. I don't want anybody to think, today may not be all about me. Uh, it's all about you, I promise you. And so, so we got to get together early on. And so I know that's a big ask, but everybody's with me, right? Everybody's looking up here. Nobody's talking to you. You don't have a phone in your hand. Everybody is with me right now, right? So here we go. First question. Do you believe God exists? So I'm willing to qualify that by saying when I say God, in this sentence I'm referring to the God as He has written about in Scripture. All right? And, and my sense is that almost everybody in the room would say that's easy. Just put a big fat check by that one. Yes, I'm good with that. Second question digs a little deeper. You ready? Do you ever live life as if God does not exist. So do you ever find yourself living your life in a way that although you believe God exists, if somebody was just walking through life with you one day, they might wonder if you really believed He did. And here's, here's why. Let me give you a phrase that I read about sometimes called functional atheism. Okay, functional Atheism. There might be somebody in the room today who would say, I think maybe, Pastor Rick, I'm a functional atheist. Because I believe in God, but the way that I act and the way I behave and the way I live out my daily life, I live as if everything depends on me. So what, what, what do you mean by that? Meaning that I get up in the morning and I, I get a shower and uh, I eat some breakfast and I'm out the door and I'm, and I'm going and doing, and I'm trying to figure out how to be, you know, a good worker. I'm trying to make ends meet. I'm trying to pay the bills. I'm trying to save a little. I'm trying to be a, a, a parent, maybe, or, or a child, or a spouse, or whatever. And I'm just doing it all within kind of my own power. I don't pray about it. I don't ask God what His desires are for me that day. I don't, I don't really consult God when I'm making plans. It's pretty much what I can do. And so while I believe in God, I live my life as if it all kind of just depends on me. It's like get up, hunt something, kill it, bring it home and eat it, do it again the next day. I believe in God. But I don't talk to God much. I don't search His Word to find out what He wants for me. I don't really seek Him like directing my life. And so I think this is what James had in mind when he says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we're going to stay there a year. We'll do business there and, and we'll make a profit. I think James is saying, if this is the way that you think about life without consulting God, 
That's where he's struggling. So I, I just want to get real with you just for a minute here. If you'll just kind of say, okay, Rick, I'm going to tell you this is where I am. Okay, I, I tend to be the person who kind of gets up, gets a shower, gets breakfast, gets out the door. I don't really talk to God. I don't pray about decisions that I make so much. I kind of feel like i got a good mind. I'm making the best decisions I can make. Or would you be like this couple that I had dinner with the other night who said, we had a big decision to make, big decision. We had thought about it. We had talked about it. We had written notes about it. We had thought through every scenario we could think through about it. Finally, we just said, okay, you go away and you pray. The couple did, the husband and wife. I'll go away. I'll pray. Let's both listen really close to what God says. And then in a few days, we'll get back together and we'll talk. And so in a few days, they met on their back deck of their house. And he said to me, I looked at my wife and said, what, what is God saying to you? And then she said to me, what is God saying to you? So are you more like that? No, Rick, I, I, tend, to, I tend to seek God. I tend to listen. I tend to pray about stuff a lot. Or, or would you be on the other side? You would say, I think I'm a, maybe a functional atheist. You know, I, I just kind of do what I think is a good idea. That's the way I live. So let me give you all of James' words, okay? And here's, here's where he goes. Verse 13 of chapter 4. Don't. I'm sorry, I want to give you the next thing first. So back up to where you were right, I was wrong. Here's, here's what I think James is trying to say. And, and you might want to write this down. I'll give you a minute here with it. Don't plan or live life without considering God's wishes or direction. So just, just I think James is saying, don't plan or live life without considering what God wants or, or getting direction from God. Okay, so now let's go to James 4, 13. So look here. Uh, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year we'll do business there we'll make a profit and James asks a question he says you know when you say stuff like that how do you even know what your life will be like tomorrow right and then he says your life is like the morning fog it's here a little while but then, it's gone. And what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, or if it's like the Lord's will, then we will live and do this or do that. Otherwise, James says, you're just boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is, he could have used a lot of different words, but he chooses this one, your boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin. And I remember James has no problem saying that word. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I remember years ago, I tend to lean on a guy whose name was Max Licato pretty often for morning, like Bible reading times and prayer times. Um... He would write a book, and I think they were mainly a collection of his sermons, but boy, it was just stuff I could apply to my life right now 
It was just good stuff. And I remember one morning reading this list that he had made. He said, this is good, time-tested advice. And, and he sounded a lot like James. Like, one of the statements was, uh, learn to listen twice as much as you speak. So you remember James' words where he says, be slow to speak, quick to listen. You know, so it kind of sounds like James' advice, Lakato's did. I, I remember this other uh, line, so there were like probably ten of those. And another one was, uh, when you think nobody is looking, live as if they are. You like that? I love it. When you think nobody else is looking, just live as if someone is. I think it's good stuff. One of my favorites was this one. And he says, always make major decisions in a cemetery. And I remember the first time I read it, I was like, wow, I love this. There is so much wisdom in this right here. I should do this. I should get in my car, drive to a cemetery, and make major decisions sitting in my car in a cemetery. And it it made sense to me because he was just saying, you know what, life is really, really short And so when you come to the end of your life and you look back on all those decisions you made, I've got a feeling when you're looking from the end, you're going to say, yeah, those were some bad decisions, or I wasn't thinking straight back there. And I just thought, well, I love this. Make every major decision in the cemetery. And so what, what James is doing in this passage is he is trying to talk to you and me now, his readers, of course, then, about this idea that it is really unwise to plan your life or live your life without considering what God wants or getting direction from God. And the reason is is because life is really short. Smith, come running up if you don't mind, real quick. So Smith is going to help me out this morning. You know, um, I'm going to have you stand like right over there, just like I'm standing. Yeah, Yeah, about like that. That's good. I got a little bottle here and it just kind of missed, okay? I like Smith's look. Do you like his look? I'm liking his hair. It reminds me of myself. So, so Smith, what I want you to do is every time I nod at you, give me one of those. You ready? All right. We'll practice. See how we got it going on here. Okay. There we go. I'll just nod. And you just, okay. Got it. Okay. So, here's what James says. He says, life In the New International Version, he says, life is a mist. There you go. So he says the mist appears a little while, and then it's gone. Is it gone, Smith? It's gone. That's what your life is like. It's that brief. When you think about all of eternity, when you think about all of history, you just live a little bit. It's like a mist. It appears a little while. Can you get that and put it back in the bottle? No, it's like it's gone. Yeah. It appears a little while and then it's gone. So what if you lived a really, really long time like Kanitanaka? Do you know who Kanitanaka is? Kanitanaka is a Japanese lady and she is the oldest living person in the world today unless she died last night. Do you know how old she is? Here's a picture. She's 115 years old. 115. Isn't that wild? But James would say, even if you live as long as Kanitanaka, your life is still like a mist. It appears a little while and then it vanishes. Can you see that all the way in the back? That mist? Well, maybe you ought to sit up close, you know, if you want. If not, you can stay there. It's good either way. 
And so what James is doing, he's saying, doesn't it make sense that you would go to God who is eternal, who has always been, all right, who has always been. Wouldn't it make sense that you go to God who has always been, because your life is like a blink of the eye, like a mist, appears a little while and then it's gone. Wouldn't it be smart to go to God who is eternal, who has always been, and ask Him about how you should order your life? So even if you think about somebody that has lived maybe a thousand years ago, I mean, a thousand years is not that long in light of history, but if they lived a thousand years ago, you go, yeah, but that person lived a long time ago, and their life was just very short on this timeline of history. I mean, they've been gone for a long time. And James says, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Life is a mist. You just appear a little while, and then you vanish. So he says it like this. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. My wife and I, Annette, were out in Southern California a couple weeks ago in San Diego area. We're up in the mountains. Our friends own this beautiful home and view is awesome. And when you walk into their like kitchen living room area, it's like the end of their house just opens up. The doors are sliding glass and they go back pockets into the wall. It just looks like, and it's ceiling to floor. It just looks like the wall is gone. It's awesome. It's this indoor-outdoor living kind of thing and other rooms do the same thing. And you kind of wonder sometimes, am I outside or am I inside? It's just awesome. But one morning I got out of bed. I came into the kitchen to get some breakfast. Those doors are open and all I could see was gray. It was just fall. The mountain was just, the, the cloud rather, was just sitting on top of that mountain with us. And my friend said to the owner of the house, should we not go hiking today because it's so foggy? And they laughed and said, it'll be gone in a minute. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What about Smith? You want to give him a hand? Thank you, Smith. Let let, let me make this clear. You know what James is not saying? He's not saying you should not plan. He's not saying that. Nor is he saying you should not make money. He's not saying that either. You know what he is saying? He's saying that your plan should be bathed in prayer. And that all of your life should be under the control of God. And that you should get up in the mornings and you should say, God, let's talk about the day. And what do you want to accomplish in the day? And how do you want to use me in the day? And what plans do you want me to make for the day? That God should be controlling and guiding your life. That's what he's saying. Now, I think that uh, it's really important that we talk about what you can what you can do with this when you walk out the door today. How is your life going to be different because you came to church this morning? How, how do things change? What, what looks different in your life? Um, I, I think that you probably see this already, but what's going on here is that there is in James' mind this bigger conversation, and it's about the fact that there are two worldviews, and you have one of them. One, one view would all but ignore God and say that it's about self-reliance life is. And, and if you want it, you got to go get it. 
And the only thing that I'm going to have is what I do for myself. The, the other view would be at odds with that view. And the other view would say that God is the one who actually supplies all of my needs. And provides all the resources for me. And my involvement in it is only the grace that God gives me. And if I've done anything good or contributed in any way, it's because God has somehow given me the grace to do that. But it's really all from God. Every good thing in my life comes from God. And so I'm going to give you a Latin phrase, okay? And, and the first word is Deo. Do you know what it means in Latin? God. Um, the second word is Volenti. Deo Volenti. Does anybody know what Deo Valenti means? So it predates Christianity, and, and people would write a personal letter centuries ago, and as they would write that letter, sometimes at the bottom of their name they would sign their name, and then under it they would write the words Deo Valenti. Or, or they might just write the initials DV. Okay? And, and that's, what, that's what DV meant, Deo Valenti. And do you know what it means? God willing. And so it's a person who says, you know what? My life is really in God's hands. And, and, and I could say that, you know, this is what I'm going to do, or these are my plans, or these are my thoughts, but really it's up to God. And, and so James puts it that way. He says, you know what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, if it's God's will, God willing, they'll... Valenti, if, if this is God's desire for me, if this is what God wants, because God always gets devoted in my life and it's up to God, then we will live and we'll do this or that. But it's really in God's hands. And if James is not saying, don't make plans, and if he is not saying, don't make money, what is he saying? He's simply saying that you should not live with this kind of self-contained certainty that says... I am in charge of my life. And I will be God. And I'll decide what I do and how I do it. And there's this implication here where he's saying, and be careful about this whole money-making thing. That you never come to the point that your security is in your money. So when I hear that somebody graduated from college and they got a really good job and, oh yeah, they got a really good job, yeah, they're making money, making good money. They're making good money now, yeah, they're making good money. Wow, making money is dangerous. Because with money, there is always the temptation. There is always the temptation that my security and my confidence becomes my money. And I don't need God like I once needed God because I got money. I don't pray like I used to pray. I got money. If money gets low, I got a credit card. Danger. There's wealth ahead in your life. You've got to be really careful that you don't edge God out Because I've been some sex, I've been some what successful, and I got confidence in what I can do now. And, and so James, James says, 
When you live like that, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. It's not a small matter to him to leave God out. For James, he just says it's, it's, it's evil. I think the conversation goes here. And, and I'm not going to take much longer here, okay? So, so I think this can be really, really helpful. I begin to think about prayer because I think that's what this is about. It's about prayer, right? It's about, do you, do you pray? Do you consult God? Do you ask Him what His will is for your life? Do you ask Him about planning your, your day, your week, your month, your year? And so um, I bet, became curious, and, and so I, I just said, well, how, mu- how much do people pray? How many people pray? How many people pray every day? And I looked up a Pew Research study, which those are pretty dependable, reliable people, and they said 55% of the people in, in America, in the U.S., would say they pray Every day. Now, I'm hoping it's a little higher in church on Sunday morning, but I don't know. But 55% said I pray at least sometime during the day every day. Now, I understand for some of those people, they're saying it's at mealtime. And I wonder what the number would be if you eliminate the thanks God for our food kind of thing. I don't know what it would be, but 55% of Americans say at some point in the day I pray. 21% said, I pray about once a week or maybe once a month. 23% said, I seldom if ever pray. So which category are you in? Do you pray every day? Rick, every day at some point I pray. Do you pray every day besides a meal? Do you pray once a week, once a month? Anybody, anybody, anybody here who says, you know what, Rick Harvey, I don't, I don't want to say it out loud to anybody, but I seldom pray. I don't pray much. Not very often do I pray. And so I begin to wonder, what do people pray about when they pray? 83% of the people pray for family and friends. I thought, I got that. That makes sense to me because that's what I pray for every day. I pray for family and friends. 72% of people pray for personal problems. Makes sense to me. I always pray about personal problems. Interestingly, 36% of the people surveyed admitted that they pray for prosperity and wealth. They pray for God's financial blessings. Uh, a couple of them were kind of cute uh, to me in some ways, kind of funny, got my attention anyway. Several people admitted to having prayed that they would win the lottery in their lifetime. And 13% prayed, admitted that they had prayed at some point in their life for their sports team to win. Yeah. Anybody in the room? Ever? And here we are on a Sunday morning in church. And James throws an idea toward us. And he says, okay, let's say you pray in the mornings. So in the morning, after you pray for your friends and your family, and after you pray about some personal stuff that's going on in your life, okay, and, um, and maybe you give God thanks, and maybe you give some praise in your prayer, what if, okay, what if, just... Just for a minute, let's just imagine that in the morning, what if you said, okay, God, now, let's you and me 
talk about the day. What dreams do you have in your heart, God, for my day? How do you want me to live this day? Just thinking through my schedule. Here's what's going on. Here's my appointments. Here's what's coming up. Let's just pray about the day a little bit. Maybe let's pray about the week. Let's pray about the month. Let's pray about some big decisions that I have out here. What if, what if maybe, just, just, just think with me a minute, okay? Just imagine, instead of living my day and then praying about it, what if I prayed about it and then lived it? So what if instead of, you know, living my day and then praying about it like, Okay, I made a mess, and can you help me out of some of this? And, you know, what if instead of, you know, living my day and then praying about, what if I prayed my day about my day and then I lived it? Here, here's this idea, okay, because I think this is where we tend to go. Instead of saying, God, let you and I come up with a plan. You guide my life. You direct my life. You show me what it is you want me to do, be, where do you want me to go, all those things. Instead of doing it the other way, where we say, Lord, here are my plans. Now, just open up the windows from heaven and bless everything that I've planned. See, because that's where we go. Instead of saying, God, let you and I make plans. Guide me, direct me. What's your will? What are your wishes? Instead of saying, Lord, here's all my plans. Now, now you bless them. I'm counting on it, man. If you, you better bless them, right? No, 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 no. Instead of living my day and then praying, what about praying before I live my day? I got to tell you, okay, I didn't say this in first service, but I just feel like it's okay for me to say it. I opened this passage as I began to write this sermon, and, and it felt like a tired old passage to me. I don't know how many times I've read it or how many times I've preached from it, and it just kind of felt like this tired old passage, and I said, Lord, is there life anywhere, you know, in here for me? And let me tell you something. It came alive. It's amazing to me that God's Word is alive. It is living. It has power. And boy, as I begin to deal with it, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to confess to you that the Lord said, Rick, let's think about decisions that you make where you don't consult me. And I made a decision a while back. And then I regretted it. And the Lord challenged me this past week. Did you pray about that decision that you regretted? And, and it was like just new truth came. Truth that's not dead. Truth that is alive. Truth that can change my life as I move forward. Truth that can make me a better person. And, and it's truth for you. And so I, I got a feeling that, that many of you in the room are saying, no, you're not the only one, man. Come on. I'm, I'm in the boat you're in. How many times have I just lived my day and then asked God to help me clean up the mess I made? Instead of saying, Lord, let's look at my day. Now, how do you want me to live this day? Give me wisdom. Give me direction. What is your will? What are your wishes for my day? And for my week and for my month? Anybody else with me?
I'm glad both of you are, and I hope the rest of you can come on. Well, I think I'm done. That should get an amen. So we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. Don't you love these Sundays? And, um, and often we say stand and receive the elements. We're not going to do that. We're going to say just remain seated. But those of you who are going to serve us, you can come now while everybody else is seated. And while they're serving us, I want you to remain seated because I'm not even going to ask you to sing. Okay? I'm just going to ask you to listen. To contemplate. To think. To pray. Okay? And, and after we've received the elements together, then, then maybe we'll ask you to stand and sing with us. What, what I want to give you is a gift, and I don't want you to be robbed of the gift, okay? I want you to be able to take what God's Word has said to you this morning and just kind of focus there. So there is a tray that will pass by you. If you are seeking the Lord, you are welcome to partake, okay? And just take the stack, the two cups. The bread is in the lower. Put it in your hand. Hold on until everybody has been served, and then we will eat and drink together. Okay? And and it may be that someone this morning wants to find grace. Maybe you're saying, I'm living and then praying about it. And and James just gets real clear. He says, if you know to do good and you don't do it, that's that's sin. He just calls it what it is. It's just, it's just sin. If you just leave God out, that's, that's considered sin. And so if you need His grace today, pray for forgiveness. If you want to become a follower of Jesus today, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. Ask Him to live in your heart. Commit to following Him. And then receive the bread and the juice in a moment. His grace, His forgiveness in your life. have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.